Welcome to the Rat Nest Podcast, episode number 24? 25. Yeah. We'll figure it out. With Chris Sparandio, hey. a.k.a. Pinko Joe. Hey. Did, I, did I pronounce it right? Did I remember it correctly? No, you butchered it. Sparandio. Right, Nobody gives a fuck. It's fine. Damn it. It's way spelled the way I said it. Way to go, bro. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's Italian. Italian is easy. Because all the comments are always said the same way. Yeah. Uh, go on. Like, unlike in English. True. English has the most like stupid, fucked up rules that don't make any sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in all you know, that's a funny thing I thought of um, when people that are not English speakers land in Newark and then they want to go to New York, they can't really tell the difference between Newark and New York. Like oh, it's a yeah. really it's a really fucked up language. Oh, absolutely. And also rename your goddamn city. <laughs> There's no yeah. need to ha- to confuse the tourists like that. Add a senior, a junior, a second, a mister, a missus, something. Make it theirs. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's great. So how you been, man? Things are good for you? Things are things are looking up? Well, you know, I'm um, with uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott. I'm never out of material. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's offering a lot right now. He is, uh, uh, an, um, you know, he's a uh, horn of plenty yeah. when it comes to, uh, you know, fucked up political decisions. He he definitely takes a stance um, one in one certain direction, doesn't he? <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> you can use that one. Uh, if you want. It's not right to laugh, but I I I hate that guy. I really do hate that guy. I hate, I think I hate him more than Trump because he's not as flamboyant as Trump, right? He doesn't engender the same sort of lampooning that Trump engenders. But his policies are just as terrible, if not worse. Well, what like being in the heart of it, where you're in Houston, right? So it's like, it's that's a mixed city of a lot of different pockets and like political thought. It's not maybe as red as the rest of Texas, but what it, what do you see like firsthand with with like everything that's going on? Well, I haven't seen somebody brandishing a, a firearm yet, right? That's one of the new laws. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. maybe the most innocuous of the new laws. Yeah, you true. don't need to have. And it's yeah. it's eighteen years old, right? Is it eighteen? That's, I think twenty-one. Is it twenty-one? Okay. Yeah. yeah but how many better. stupid twenty-one-year-olds do you know? A I, lot, right? Dude, I feel like I'm still as smart as I was when I was twenty-one. Ten years later, it's crazy. You don't learn anything in your twenties. You definitely yeah. don't know how to carry a weapon with no regard. That's pretty wild. Yeah. I don't but, know. Uh, <laughs> what do you like, is it, it's crazy, right? I, I personally don't have a problem with firearms as long as there is training involved. I, I grew up uh, when I was 10, 11 years old. My dad took me to hunter safety courses, and I learned to respect firearms, and, and I still have a very strong respect for them i i own guns and i i like to go target shooting and all of that um so i have no problem with with open carry because i would be happy to do that however 
when there is a lack of education and there is a almost a stance that I, I get to do this no matter how educated or uneducated I am towards firearms, there, that's where I have a problem. You know, there needs to be, like I took as a kid, a hunter safety course, you know, that should be mandatory before you, you're allowed to go and carry a firearm. And I'm, I'm sure people are going to hate that I'm saying that or love that I'm saying that. I don't know. I don't like to take hard stances especially on firearms because i'm i i waffle a lot you know when it comes to them but uh i i yeah i i have a tough a tough time with with open broad strokes on any type of law you know and and one way or another whether it's heavy right or heavy left there, there needs to be addressed in a far more better sense than broad strokes. We don't have to stick on the gun safety thing, but, you know, <laughs> I have a hammer, right? I have a hammer in my toolbox. I know that eventually I'm going to drop that hammer on my foot. The, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit my thumb or I'm going to drop it on my foot. Same thing with a gun. You know, the most people get shot with their own guns. If I owned a gun, Absolutely. I would end up shooting myself. It increased the risk a hundred percent, a thousand percent. It increased the risk with if you don't have one, you can't shoot yourself with it or shoot anyone else with it. Right, but did you ever go to hammer training, or did did anybody ever teach you how to properly handle a hammer? And did you have a super deep respect <laughs> for that hammer to where you're going to treat it like a, a rattlesnake? You know where it can bite you if it falls on your foot. But there, so there absolutely is a difference and it comes to education. And that, I think that education, like all of education doesn't get passed around equally to the world. Right. So it's like, all right, if, unless you have a deep respect for it, it's a even highly, more highly dangerous. Right. And that's why I have a problem, like I said before, with just the broad stroke. Hey, anybody and everyone go right ahead. It, that I do have a problem with it, especially without any sort of safety restraints in order, or at least they haven't been advertised to the person like myself can know oh, no. what laws are in place Dude, that are going to protect 21 the 21 year old kids all over in Texas are like, yes, we get to like have a gun and it's cool. And that sucks. You know what I mean? Like, that's so irresponsible and so fucking shitty. So it's like, I don't know. It's crazy. That's wild, bro. Yeah. It's a heated topic. Anywho. So let's go back to, (laughs) that's the the most innocuous of the new Texas laws. Yeah. yeah. I I don't want to like just harp on Texas right now, but you guys suck. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Houston is is a very liberal city. And, and, uh, you know, we've had a lesbian mayor. And uh, it's, um, uh, you know, it's got a big gay community. And- yeah, no, I, I don't mean that. I was just trying to make a bad joke, dude. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm not saying you no, guys no, suck. But, you know, saying, Texas feel- as a state is like, is in the news right now. So, you know. Yeah, I just, I don't feel good about being here because of all this nonsense. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it's not neighborly. Yeah. Which, which is the draw of like, the other side of the country like the west coast no one talks to each other if you walk by someone on a sidewalk in california 
they look down they don't say hi they don't open the door for you sometimes you know it's not as um there's no hospitality in the sense of like neighborly like values to each other right like no one on the block knows each other i don't talk to my neighbors it's if you go anywhere else i don't even know i guess like east of california <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe maybe not but california in general is just very cold and you go anywhere else and people are asking how your day is you're walking down the street they're walking their dogs you're making friends you're having conversations with someone you'll never see again is is it still happening or people talking about this stuff like what's your experience like well with covid i see somebody walking down the street i you know i i basically just cross the street anytime i see anybody yeah <laughs> you know I, um but yeah you know i i think the south has this uh idea about being um uh friendly but it's uh it's a smile to your face, stab you in the back kind of friend. Mm. I think. Okay. Or in this case, shoot you in the back, right? Now that... Uh, <laughs> nice pullback. Now back. that we're in the Wild West, you just draw. Draw on somebody if you don't like... Uh, if they don't smile to you. Tip no. their you guys are going to weed out the dumb ones really quickly, though, Dude, right? You're going to have something happen. It's that law. It's going to switch around. Some. It's going to get repealed, or I don't even know. Jesus, people are going to move. It's going to be a whole like awakening thing. This is very weird of what's going on right now. Well, you know, I I, I don't mean I hate speculate <laughs> speculating, especially political, but. You know, through through the last couple of years, Texas has gotten a lot more blue and has is been getting far more liberal uh, in its politics. And it almost seems like the the Texas governor right now is almost grasping at straws or throwing throwing hail marys to the to the right to try and make it as as far leaning as he can, but before he knows he's going to lose the state to to the blue, you know, the blue side. And I I. I guess I, from a political standpoint, I get it, but that's really fucked up to all of you residents of the the biggest state of the union. Well, they gerrymandered the congressional districts, you know, so we're we're basically trapped, you know, that um, uh, I keep forgetting the name of my congressional representative. You know, like I moved a few, a few months ago, I'm in a completely different neighborhood. I still have the same congressional representative, mm -hmm. you know, because his district snakes street by street if you look at his his congressional district on a map it's like a spider or something you know like it's not it's not just like oh here's the neighborhood or you know it's the river on that side and freeway on that side and yeah that you know, happens a lot with those wild. districts it's wild the way that they're able they're to kind of up. pick and choose yep yeah yeah uh, all right that's you know that's politics yeah i was gonna say yeah. dude uh, didn't we come here to like chat about art or something? Don't you do some but, stuff? But you know that the the um the fury is what motivates me. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. You know that uh is uh voting voting doesn't do shit, does it? <laughs> doesn't really seem to. No. <laughs> I voted the crap out of things last time, and look where we are now. Yeah, so I make yeah. comic books instead. That's that will fucking fix everything. Hell yeah, it's, it's a good fucking comic book. 
as long as there's an outlet, then we can deal with all of this shit, right? That's- if not, I can get a gun. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're not. You're not. Dude, you're allowed now too. That Next was- time we interview you, I expect a couple couple of six shooters in your hands. I I I'm not getting a fucking gun. <laughs> How funny uh, would that be if he was just like Wiley Coyote? Next time I saw you, you're just like, or uh, Yosemite, Yosemite Sam. Yosemite Sam, you Yosemite. grow out the mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was sick. Imagine how much money this podcast is going to be worth. Like, yeah, we interviewed that crazy motherfucker. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, we don't want that fame, dude. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but get in line. Like, you know, like, you got to kill a lot of people now to get mass killer famous, right? Like, you can't just kill 30 people now. It's wild, bro. Are you, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. All the time. It is. It's fucking crazy. And the more the population grows, the more that shit's going to happen. Let's talk about it. Pinko Joe, welcome to the podcast again. Uh, that was a 17, 18 minute opener. Let's go, baby. You can just cut all that shit out if you want no, to. I'm oh, leaving it in if you don't mind. I fuck it. When when there's when there's a political climate like the ones that we're in right now, it it does justify a conversation, especially with somebody as politically knowledgeable as yourself and, and someone with as much passion and care about the laws and, and the way that things are going around you. So it's definitely I, warranted. I just hear channels changing. You know, I can just hear that in the background the more I you know, drone on about politics. But it's all predicted in my book. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about the book because uh, for anyone listening that doesn't know, we had the pleasure of interviewing Chris uh, a month and a half, two months ago before my computer got stolen. And uh, we had a really great interview that will never see the light of day. Uh, I mean, Chris claims he stole it. Maybe I'll get it back. We have a, <laughs> there's a whole series of letters with cutout magazine letters uh, taped to them. Uh, so I might see it. He's holding it for ransom. We'll see what happens. Uh, but can we talk about the book a little bit? in the sense of how it got started and where it's come to um, from Pinko Joe to Greeny Josephini. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, you know, I've been making comics for a long time. I made uh, started making comics in the 90s. And then um, maybe in, like, uh, 2010, like, I, I just kind of uh, stopped for a little bit or didn't do very much. And then uh, in, in 2014, I just got this idea that, that uh, you know, the uh, you know, for a long time I used whiskey to try to blot out the pain, and then <laughs> when I quit using whiskey to blot out the pain, I had to do something else to blot out the pain, and so I started working on this graphic novel, and it's it's fucking helped. I I really recommend uh, making graphic novels as a way to uh, art is to, therapy. Uh, drink whiskey anymore. <laughs> art, yeah, art is absolutely therapy man you, you get that outlet i mean yeah. you you're halfway joking but like was it an issue like did you get sober or were you just drinking too much whiskey <laughs> you're like i was trying to drink my way out of texas and it wasn't working yeah <laughs> yeah you're still you're a, still there i thought it was a tunnel <laughs> um it just wasn't helping. I just got to the point where it wasn't helping, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, like the pain was too great, and so I had to do I had to do something else. So I started working on this graphic novel idea, um, and um, I've been looking at a lot of public domain comics. Actually, I've been looking at, at public domain comics for a long, long time, 
this is before your time, but in the 70s, comic books published by Marvel and DC, they, they, um, they were cheapskates, right? So they would, they would publish these big um, uh, anthology comics and they would have like a new story, a new Batman story or whatever, the first eight pages with like a new Batman cover. But then it would also feature all these comics from the past. And so you buy one of these big anthologies and you'd read this new Batman story, but then there'd be a Hawkman story from like 1948 mm-hmm. or something, or, or like the original Green Lantern, you know, the, with, whose vulnerability is wood. <laughs> <laughs> and so growing up in the 70s was actually a great comics education because you would you get these anthologies and, and you would read comics from the past. Like there was nobody republishing any of this old stuff. And so I've always looked at old comics like as, as friends rather than, um, you know, just uh, filler, which is, I know what the comic book companies were thinking of it as. Like, oh, well, you know, some cigar smoking <laughs> editor, like, yeah, I just throw that fucking shit in there. Yeah. <laughs> Those kids are idiots anyway. Yeah, it's colorful, right? They'll like it. Yeah. Kids love this stuff. (laughs) So looking at old comics was always kind of my my jam. So I um, luckily, when the internet came along, then there were these great um, sites that started sort of cataloging uh, public domain comics. Yeah. And, you know, like stylistically, they may not be as interesting to us today, but they were still, you know, still storytelling, still sort of graphic, um, you know, and the best artists are just best, The you know, like Kirby, Jack Kirby is the king. Right. Still. Um, yeah. So I, I was looking at old public domain comics. So that's kind of what inspired me to start working on Pinko Joe. Do you, do you see that uh, renaissance kind of coming back in the younger artists today wanting to replicate, well, not even younger, but like, just artists in general, the guy like guys I've worked with and, you know, everyone rest respects Kirby as the King. Um, but just to replicate that style or that time in comics and kind of bring it back from what it's become to that more like simplistic and like stylistic black and white comic. I mean, what's your take on, on that? Is that, uh, you know, I think the retro stuff is pretty fashionable right now. But like you uh, get my question, like is that kind of a catalyst? I mean, your stuff is different than that, but what I'm saying is like you, you see that that kind of uh, style coming back around again. People paying the respects to that era of comics. Yeah, I think the retro comics is a, a thing uh, thing right now. That retro style, you know, the digital tools that are available now, they're uh, they're fantastic, and uh, you know the um, so, uh, and also just sort of knowledge is spreading generally. So, you know, I myself, I've written a bunch of tutorials for uh, a company called Retro Supply, and they make, they make great brushes. And, and uh, uh, it's so easy now to do all that stuff. You know, even like five years ago, you had to, you had to really make your, own, make your own tools to do this stuff. Yeah. And there's those those little techniques and secrets that those guys, uh, you know, contributed on paper, but you won't really know quite how they did it. 
and it's trying to like yeah. mimic that exact brush stroke or how they cut their brushes or however you know those yeah. little tricks to the trade yeah yeah and you know um but i think it's uh i think there are some great artists today and great comics being made today you know that it's it's the industry itself i think is sagging right like people don't buy as many comic books as they used to well, you could see it in the inflation that's been going on it's like everyone has to sell for higher because they're obviously not selling as many something's going on you know it's not the the cost of paper hasn't gone up that much it's it's beyond that so it's crazy it's like they need to make their bottom line so you see an influx in the the price of comics yeah yeah and you know these uh with marvel and dc you know they're they're these big multinational corporations now they're part of these big multinational corporations Right. And the comics is, is again, it's, you know, it's just not very well regarded. Comic books, again, are not, uh, not treated the way the films are. Like, you know, it infuriates me. I have students now, they've not read Marvel comics, but they're, they consider themselves Marvel fans. Because of the movies, right. yeah. That's and, dang, I, yeah. That never even crossed my mind. That's so funny. I guess like with my younger siblings and cousins, or not siblings, but cousins, uh, I can see that. But uh, yeah, as like an adult to be like, yeah, I'm really into Marvel and just not be into the movies. You know, that does speak though to the the talent and writing that it takes to make a good comic book because the, those movies have grossed billions of dollars or up to a billion dollars probably by now and they're all based off of these stories and writing that the, came out of comic books right and that was looked at as like a low grade or like lesser than art form and literature form you know comics weren't really a good thing like if you're reading comics it was almost like you were poor you couldn't read books or something it was different uh you know the further back you look in time seriously i'm not fucking with you that, bro. interesting well you know i'm a comic book artist i'm an artist and the the institution that i teach at i'm a professor and um i'm constantly being challenged on what i do mm, you know I like bet. the validity of what i do the u.s entertainment industry is seven times larger than the u.s oil and gas industry seven times wow seven times Fucking wild and so, uh, kiss my ass, oil and <laughs> yeah. gas industry, kiss my ass. Now, granted, about half of the entertainment industry is video games, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not, it's not Hollywood anymore. Yes. Yeah. Is that include, I'm sure that includes like apps and like screen, anything that has to do with the screen at this point, there's multi-million, if not billion dollar, you know, internet apps, uh, which gets thrown into the pot, but it's pretty wild. And to say that, like, Hollywood's hurting, it's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, shut up. You guys. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. They, they release these movies. It's like, oh, they only released six movies in the year of the pandemic, right? Like, there was no movies being released. They, could, they had two dozen, three dozen movies that could have been released in that time frame that they're like, we're going to wait to make money off this. Like, they're not hurting. Get out of here. <laughs> Crazy. So would you consider yourself able to 
focus a little bit more on the on the writing side of all the stories that go into your books because you kind of have that set um style or or you know the, the that you're drawing from these classic styles you're able to kind of focus on the the story yeah i mean um the pico joe uh and i'll just hold it up again yeah yeah we both get both sides baby there it is. Um, this book, I started it on page one, and I finished it on page 96. And page 96 is when I kind of figured it out, right? Okay. I, just had, I just started. And I always I give my students shit for that kind of behavior. Like, that's... <laughs> why would you do that? Um, uh, but by page 96, I had... Uh, realized that I needed to do two more volumes to get myself out of the corner that I painted myself into. Uh huh. And then I was uh, then I started really focusing on the writing. Like I really had to to be a better writer and think about the plot such as it is, just to get the fuck out of you know out of where I was. Right. It was more of an escape route at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's the it's brought to you by the same guy who tried to drink his way out of Texas. Like that's <laughs> stupid. That's the name of the third book. <laughs> drink my way out of Texas. That might be just a fine title. Yeah. So um, yeah, and then uh, and then by the time uh, the second book came around, and I'll just hold that one up, Greeny Josephini. You know, in the first book, like the uh, those vintage comics, it's hard to, it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to, uh, um, find strong female protagonists. So for the second book, I really had to look harder at, um, I looked at vintage, um, women in prison comics and, um, also some jungle comics. Yeah. And, and although, you know, those jungle comics are so racist, you know. Oh, they're they might wild, dude. imagine. Rima yeah. in the jungle, Rima the jungle girl. I forget the title of it, but yeah, there's there's a lot of them that are, you know, a lot of, especially I guess satirical. Maybe not satirical is the right word, but something that's trying to be satirical or a joke. It, it doesn't always age well. Mm, um, that's and that's truth. true for comedians and you know, movies and comics and everything. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I try to balance, and when I'm teaching comics, I really try to balance my teaching with also, like, you know, there, um, there's just a lot of terrible racism by some of art, some artists who I really like their work, but, like, you know, I can't really advocated or promoted in class right and say like oh you know well that was that was a different time like really if you know so put something new out that's not racist because we can't put this out they're gone you know it's like like that was just a, a product of its time and you can respect the artwork but not have to agree with with it yeah. it's like it, it's anything it's it, you know it's seeing a painting in a museum that is just wildly uh maybe offensive on first glance but maybe it's deeper than that maybe it was meant to be something different it but 
it's going to speak for face value in the time that it sits in and you view it. So as you're having to sift through, I'm sorry, I didn't hear a question in there, so I'm just oh, going to hop in. <laughs> in the time that you it takes to like sift through these old comics and and take you know choose for lack of a better term something not too racist to be able to like you know draw from what it take us through that process because i'm sure this is kind of a something that a lot of people haven't really thought about as comic or had to yeah like if you're using these these old older comics like hey i wish i had a better adjective but these these other comics what is that process like having to choose okay here's what i want do i do you have the story first or do you write the story based on what you find and all that well you know so i um after learning the lesson of not you know you've got to have a, a map where you're going i knew where i wanted to land and uh this is actually uh this is how Ernie Bushmiller worked. I don't know if you if you're a fan of Nancy Comics from okay, the yeah, yeah. from like you know he died in in the eighties, so, but it, it the Nancy strip ran for like forty years or something. It's actually still running. It's, it's it, in a bootleg culture. I mean, it's stronger than ever. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Bushmiller would always write the last panel first. Like, so he knew where he wanted the joke to land. Yes. And then he went back to the beginning and he, he knew what kind of running start he needed to make to get onto that spot. That's a really, that's smart really way. great writing advice. Like, like you figure out where you want to end up and then you work backwards. Right. Cause it's, it's all a magic trick. Like, yeah. you know, writing and, and drawing, like it's, um, it's, uh, it's something that I practice on a daily basis. And to somebody that doesn't practice writing and drawing on a daily basis, what I could, what I do may seem amazing or, you know, like, how do you do that? And it's just practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, Bushmiller's technique of, of writing the end first, like it, that really saved my bacon. I, I have to, I have to step in and, and call me on, un- Un- ignorant or whatever you want to but i, I think there is a little a certain amount of talent that you're not giving yourself credit for there you might practice and try really hard but there's there's also some god-given talent that goes along with being able to create the way that you do and and be able to put it together like you have hell yeah it really is just practice you know like i i think that that um that uh i mean because i couldn't teach it if it was some I can't be a hypocrite in that regard, right? Like I can't be a college professor and then say, oh, well, you've got to be born with it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I see where you're going. All right, my bad, I retract, you're absolutely right. I retract that all the way back. It's all about practice, go to school, figure it out, and you can be as good of an artist (laughs) as anybody. It's crazy, yeah. Did you watch the Bob uh, Ross documentary on Netflix that just came out? I haven't not yet. I love Bob Ross, and it's I've I've heard it's a, kind of a heartbreaker. I'm, it's a bummer, and uh, I'm delicate right now. But like nothing on him. It's a, you know it's a really sweet movie, and I'm I'm I was happy to like see the footage and everything put together in the way it was. Um, but just to think of that, like the reason that guy could mix paint and paint the way he could in 25 minutes and create a piece, uh, it didn't. It, 
he didn't start off doing that. It's practice. It's the repetition. It's the 10,000 hours. It's whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It takes that time. It's like, did you, how old were you before you got comfortable publishing stuff or like putting work out for yourself? Uh, I'm 57 now, so 58, I'd say. <laughs> you know, I, um, uh, yeah, I'm still not very, I'm not super comfortable with it, right? Like, I, I don't want to be, um, uh, I just want people to like my work. I don't, uh, I don't want any other I don't need to be the king of something. Well, you make it pretty easy to like the work. I, I thumb through it, and I'm, I've been exposed to comics doing Rat Nest more than I ever have in my life. You know, I grew up not. I was kind of a baseball card kid rather than a comic book kid, and now I've been exposed to comics left and right all over the place. And I love it, dude. Being able to sit down with different styles in my face, not have to really imagine I can, you know, read it and see what, what I'm supposed to be seeing that it's great. It's a a very fun thing to, to be exposed to, uh, this late in life, you know, (laughs) and you're 20 what now? (laughs) Yeah, I wish No, I'm getting up there, bro. 30, 36 this month. I wish I was 36. <laughs> Tell me what I should be doing, because if I could be doing as well as you are at, at 56, I, I think it'd be good. Uh, it's stuff I can't say on live air, but... Uh, <laughs> okay. We'll talk about it off, off screen. <laughs> Send me one of those uh, clipped out uh, magazine letters you've been sending. <laughs> yeah, for the ransom for the computer. We're, we're pulling it all the way back. All people. the way back to so, the beginning. Look at this writing. Uh, let me plug this. I don't know. Do you guys know? Shush. No, I just saw that at, uh, the Eastern European Publishing Company. They're, uh, they're based in Riga, Latvia. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and so this uh, this is uh, the the company or the the publisher is called Kush Comics, and this anthology is called the Shh. <laughs> okay. And, it's actually been nominated. It was nominated in 2017 for an Eisner, and it was nominated in 2020 for an Eisner. Hell yeah. Very good. As an anthology. Of course, I was in the ones before 2017 and the ones in 2018 and this one. So I didn't, I wasn't in any of the Eisner nominated. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, which I think they did on purpose. I mean, that's what you get for living alone. <laughs> I'm incredibly paranoid and angry, so. <laughs> but uh, actually, I've got a piece in this um, issue. Awesome. Hell yeah. And, like, it's, uh, but you were talking about, like, all sorts of different kinds of comics. It's just really great, very kind of bold, experimental oh, cool. uh, comics in these anthologies lots of different styles in there lots lots of different stuff and you know it's um uh it's just such a joy to see all this stuff and riga who knew say again i'm sorry i missed that i said riga riga latvia is where they're located Oh, the place. Yeah. See, I've never even heard of it, so I didn't even associate it as a place. Yeah, I didn't know that was a county. I knew it was Latvia, but 
Riga Latvia. That's Riga Latvia. Crazy. That's really cool. Crazy. That is yeah. very cool. Yeah, I, yes. I, I was familiar. I like some of the old school zines that I remember. Um, like now I'm losing it. Uh, Slingshot out of like the Pacific Northwest and like those little books, like those year long calendar books. It was so fun to flip through and like it just it felt good in your hands. It's like smaller than a normal book. It just has a different feel than like a, a normal comic. Plus they're fat. They're like a couple hundred pages usually like that. Yeah. So I was yeah. uh when I saw that you just posted a day or two ago, I, I really wanted to get my hands. Is there a place where we can order them in the US? Do they have US distribution? The US is tough. I I um uh you might find them like at Quimby's okay. in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, you know, Quimby's is the place. I don't have you ever been to Quimby's? No, but I'm I'm familiar with it. Next time you go to Chicago, you got to go to Quimby's because it's filled with that zine type stuff. Like there's shelves filled with these independent handmade uh, books, as well as like the mainstream stuff, of course. Um, but lots of really wild, crazy magazines. Like I got a copy, I think I got a copy of Sploosh there have you ever seen sploosh no me no. no. on sploosh oh my god <laughs> talk about weird magazines yes i mean it's um mostly women it all none of them naked all in like bikinis or dresses and they're dumping either like pots of macaroni like mac and cheese <laughs> or baked beans uh on themselves this like, is, wait this is a photography page. is photography or illustration full color photography magazine oh, wow yes look i'm in that the sploosh, dude. Yeah, i think, I, that I, think I just got into sploosh yeah. <laughs> and, you know it's um it's not my thing right? no but it's so interesting but, that's so funny but magazines like sploosh are my thing does that make sense like i don't i don't I'm not buying sploosh because of what's inside. I'm buying sploosh because of what it is. Right, right. It's it's like out thereness, like it's appeal that there's who is into this. It's interesting to think of the people that regularly subscribe to sploosh. I want to know how much thought goes into the preparation of the meal. Like, did they actually put spices in the mac and cheese? Were they like doing it to eat, and then someone came and stole it and dumped it on their girlfriend? How how is this happening? When we get off here, just Google Sploosh Magazine, and I'm sure it'll have all your answers. I don't know if I'm ready. You're broadening so many eyes right now. I was joking when I said I was into Sploosh. Now I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's not it's not pornographic. Right. Well, that's good. Um, you know, it's just, a, a, I think, a waste of beans. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like oh, a that's big waste of beans. A lot of beans. Like, one of those industrial sized cans of beans. That's sick. Uh, do you know what neighborhood or is Quimby's downtown in Chicago? Where's it at? Quimby's is in um, like uh, Wicker Park area. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I'm it's very on, uh, area. I used to live around the corner from there. Yeah. Sick. Uh, North and uh, Damon. I, was, I was always stay off of Northwestern by the empty bottle. Yeah. Yeah, not too far. We're gonna have to do a rat. You can also get from the publisher directly from Kush. Sick. 
how did you get involved with a publisher in Latvia and be, and be able to get in the first few or the issues before and after? Well, um, in uh, 2000, what was it, 2017 uh, or 2018, um, I, did a, I did a bunch of artist residencies one summer. And I went to an artist residency in Finland. And it was a comic book artist residency. And so I was I spent a month in the in sort of like the, the Finnish forest. Okay. Fairyland. That's with, awesome. Uh, with like a dozen other comic book artists from all over the world. Iran, Australia, Canada, South Africa. And um, all these folks knew all this different stuff about comics that I had no idea about. And one of them was, hey, do you know this Latvian comic book publisher? I was like, no, but must, must yeah. know now. Yeah. Oh. And they run open calls. So, you know, if your listeners are aspiring comics people, uh, you know, follow them on Instagram. And when there's an open call, submit something. There you go. It's called Kush Comics, right? K U S H. K U with that little smiley face over yeah <laughs> yeah that doesn't exist in english but exists in seemingly every other language if you're not sure message ratness podcast or pinko underscore joe and we'll tell you <laughs> so all right beyond that you've worked with other publishers you've stayed around the world besides that little camp right you were you lived in berlin for a while it's like where like why not uh just like pack up and move or are you so invested like in the u.s like i would i would be out dude if i had ties like anywhere else you know what i mean yeah you know what i need is a uh an italian wife or a french wife or a german wife <laughs> yeah. or a finnish wife and so if any of your listeners you know like you this this does it for you you know, shoot me a message because yeah. I really, I really would like to get um, airlifted out of Texas. Sweet. That's why you can't leave, is because you're you're loving Texas so much right now. You just can't well, stand you know, the thought of leaving. I do, I do love, uh, I do love teaching, and I love what I do at Rice. Yeah, hell yeah. Segway. Yeah, can we actually? We'll segue there. Can we talk about this? Let's let him segue first, oh, okay. and then we'll segue we, after. Yeah. We held up two different books, but they're, they're the two I also brought. Yeah. Um, let's talk about so, that and how you get work done through Rice. Yeah, so the Comic Art Teaching and Study Workshop is a space that I made um, at Rice University um, to teach comics and also to help people research comics if they want to. And uh, I've developed a bunch of exhibitions out of the, the stuff that I've collected there. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just a, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big admirer of the Billy Ireland Museum at Ohio State. Mm. And I'm so jealous of everybody that gets to be at Ohio State and be around that collection. They have something like, Three million, although I've heard nine million as a number as well. Oh so they goodness. have a lot of original comic art, books on comics, comic books, um, clippings, newspaper comic clippings, wow. which is crazy. 
they have a dedicated exhibition space. Um, I think they have most of Bill Watterson's uh, original art. That's insane. Uh, that's yeah. He that's is that the the biggest collection of Bill Watterson's like work, or is that? I know there's only a couple places they even have their hands on it. Yeah, I think that I I don't know what what uh you know what the the that situation is, but they've got they've got a lot of them. They've got great ones. Oh yeah. Uh, Calvin and Hobbes, uh, and and it's a really nice museum space. Um, and then they also have a great research space as well. So, you know, if you want to go in and you're a, a comics professional or, you know, you, you write about comics or you podcast about comics, you can look at their collection online and then schedule a time to go in and look at it and they will bring the stuff to you. Oh, very cool. That's so, you know, like I got to hold uh, um, uh, Little Nemo in Slumberland, you know. What? Uh, Original drawing from Little Nemo and Slumberland. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've got uh, Charles Schultz originals. Yeah, so I think it's really worth it's really worth a trip to Columbus. I was gonna say it's a, worth the trip to a state I didn't think I would ever go take a trip to. Now there's a reason. Sweet. Yeah. They um and then also they in Columbus they do that cartoon Crossroads uh, Columbus which is a, a a fair that they do every year and they bring they bring artists in and they they give artists awards and they have uh, uh, tabling one day. Oh, crazy! It's, I haven't heard of that. That's wild. Yeah, and so um, being in Houston, I'm not in Columbus, and so I just started my own little sort of collection of stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I started collecting was uh, original comic art from Mexico. Oh, very cool. Um, and this is a, a book, it's called Fundamental Camarena, and it's about uh, an artist named uh, Julio Camarena, who was active in the 60s and 70s, okay. and um, made, had really amazing work. Just, yeah, oh, he, yeah, look at that. The One of the best that I've ever seen coming... You know, I'm not really familiar with that era like you are, but flipping, going through that book, I was like, Jesus Christ. Beautiful work. Beautiful work. He could have worked for Marvel. He could work for DC. You know, this format yeah. was imposed by the comic book company. So oh, this okay. is actually the original size of the drawings. This is what, how big the drawings are. Jeez. And then the comic books themselves were these tiny little things. This is the original size of the comic book. Oh, wow. So these comic books are, you know, like... Palm size. Palm size. 96 pages. Wow. And, uh, and they would... Um, uh, they would publish tens of millions every month. So wow. the comic book scene in Mexico City, I would say, would rival the comic book scene of, like, like Japan. Yeah, but I don't know what has the worst track record of archiving that. Do you know if there's a lot of that stuff? I feel like in Mexico, it'd probably just be destroyed throughout the years. Not a lot of it would have lasted. Yeah, I mean, in, sometime in the 70s, there was this kind of switch. And, uh, and 
I think it had to do with politics and and social upheaval, and um, and yeah, like this 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 Mexican comic book history is kind of forgotten or ignored at the very least. And so it's you know it's like if somebody just pulled the switch on manga, right? Oh wow! It like, like yeah, like it stopped being like they stopped making it, and mm-hmm. and people stopped talking about it or thinking about it. Is it. It's taking it out before it hits the uh you know communal conscious of like the popular culture um and it takes away overall culture from that art scene in that country right so it's interesting to see that because like i said i had never been exposed to like the idea of a mexican comic book artist working the way of like a kirby or something like those illustrations are it's i mean that era that i had no idea existed there so um are you familiar with Gwen Stacy and Spider-Man? Yeah. I I don't know too much history on it, but yes. So Gwen Stacy was Spider-Man's was Peter Parker's first girlfriend mm-hmm. and she was thrown off the top of the Brooklyn Bridge by the Green Goblin. Right. Right. Spider-Man shoots a web down to catch her and her neck snaps. Oh. Okay. And she dies. And in U.S. comics, like, it was the first sort of, like, murder of a main character in a, in a mainstream comic book. And it created, you know, it created huge fan outrage here. It created such fan outrage in Mexico that the Mexican publisher that published Spider-Man asked permission to start writing their own Spider-Man stories with Gwen Stacy still alive. Wow. That's crazy. I, so, I think, oh, I'm sorry. No, oh, the Mexican comic scene is huge. I, I was just thinking back, just because I was more familiar with like the Amazing Spider-Man reboot cartoon in the early '90s when I was younger, and um, when Stacy dies through being thrown from the Green Goblin. But I don't know if that's the same narrative that played out because when you said that, I was like, "Damn, did it happen like that?" Because I remember she, you know, that's his whole thing is uh, the remorse for that one. But it's interesting to see uh, that the whole country would be like, can we uh, change the narrative and do our own thing? Because that is just too heavy, you know? I think it really speaks to the passion that comic book fans really have, you know? Some things, sports and and all that, have a certain amount of fanatics in them. But I think in the comic book realm, I have seen more die hard like i i live this life more than really any other scene that that exists maybe punk rock is another one that where people live the the scene that they're a part of but comic people are die hard man and so it it makes sense they have been following this story and their main character or their love the love of the main character dies they're gonna be pissed and say you know what all of us are mad let's make them rewrite it but is that is that true for like throughout the generations is that a 2000s thing subcultures what well, it's absolutely that way right now uh, everyone that we've talked to has been so passionate and like you can just tell i mean even talking to you chris you you just exude comic book knowledge and love for it you know what i mean you can just tell that you've you've really imprinted it on your life sad it's sad really I love it, dude. I, I like I said, coming from not being in the comic book scene and seeing it as like a community from the outside, it's it's fucking beautiful. Yeah, man. Yeah, I wish I had the same passion for like eating 
organic food and exercising. Yeah, all of us, <laughs> right? I wish I could do that or, with pedal biking. <laughs> or investing in the stock market. You know, like, why don't I have that same fucking enthusiasm for that? Yeah, dude, I, I think about that sometimes. I'm like, I could be a lot smarter with my money if I really cared about it. It's, uh, you know, it's a give and take. I'm a happy guy. And I'm sure you are, too, even though we get pissed off sometimes. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, making comics, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, brings me a lot of joy, I think, yeah. you know, it's, it, um, it's, uh, great to be able to take that awful news and channel it somewhere, even though I think it, um, you know, I get, I get death threats, which I think are hilarious, <laughs> but I also get a lot of fans saying like, oh, you know, seeing your stuff really gets me through my day or. I will look forward to your posts on Instagram. Well, and that's that makes I don't know. That's weird. It's a little weird for me. Like, like I don't want that responsibility. No, that has to be so vindicating, man. Knowing that it's you're doing something that brings you joy, and it's bringing other people joy, just kind of because you're doing what brings you joy. That's awesome. Yeah, you don't have to beauty of reciprocation. Yeah, Yeah, you don't got to go too far into it. Like, it brings them joy. Fucking, that's what's up. Um. Ask uh, final questions, I guess. Can I get some copies off you? I will. I'll pay you for them uh, that we can sell on the website. Just like a few of each book, or do you do that, or are you just self uh, publishing and self? So the publisher is uh, Argo Bargo Books. They're okay. based in uh, Montreal, Montreal, Canada. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, if you send me an email, I'm happy to, I'm happy to send you some books. I've got, you know, I've got some stacks of them here. Okay. Stan Waney is the publisher. He's a, he's also a terrific artist. He's on Instagram. Um, and, uh, he's got a book coming out with Conundrum Press. Um, I, I think it's out now or soon or something. One okay. more time is Sam. Stan Waney, W-A-N-Y. There you go. Um, and he's uh, he's on Instagram. Uh, he's a terrific, terrific uh, comic artist in his own right. But he's also got this uh, passion for publishing. And actually, he's one of the people that I met on this Finnish comic book artist residency. Oh, right. So that, you know, that's wild. Another, yeah, yeah. Uh, he just published a book by an artist named Jonathan McBurney, who's Australian, who was also on this uh, residency. And uh, McBurney's uh, work is amazing. And, you know, people talk about like, oh, you're so prolific. How do you make these comics every day? Go and look at Jonathan McBurney's work, man. That guy is fucking machine. He turns out comics like, you know, like, Jesus, dude, take a day off. You're making the rest of us look bad. (laughs) It's great to have those guys that are doing it like that, though, because, you know, if we we all slowed down, it would there wouldn't be as much to look at, right? So, um, yeah, and they all do it out of a passion, right? Like they, it's not, uh, it's not some sort of paycheck. Uh, no, to absolutely. Dan or Jonathan, which you know, capitalism. Like, comics were born out of capitalism, right? They they were. Uh, capitalism is the home of comic books. The <laughs> um, the yellow kid yeah, yeah. drove circulation for Hearst Hearst newspapers. And and uh, comic books themselves were just repackaged Sunday funnies, mm-hmm. and you know sold sold back to the consumer. Like you've probably already seen these, but here you are for a nickel, you can see them again. Um, so you know I can't I can't shit all over capitalism, but 
but the artists that I know, they're not motivated by money. They're motivated by they, they just want to they just want to do it. Yeah, that, pa- that passion is admirable, absolutely, and it and it shines through you, dude. You you absolutely show it off, and it shows in your work as well. And if you have any, all of you listening, if you have any uh, desire to try and start making comics, please go check out the books. Uh, this guy is a, a legit professor. He, is- he's accredited. He knows everything. He's the one that you want to talk to when it comes to learning how to make comics. That's right. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, I know that sounded very sarcastic, but it's true. Uh, get, Give us where they can get in touch with you and check out your work and, and all of that again. Yeah, so uh, Instagram's the easiest way. It's, uh, it's, I'm, there, uh, I'm there all the time, uh, sort of doom scrolling on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, at pinko underscore Joe. And, uh, and if you want to send death threats, that's okay. Those make me happy, frankly. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it legitimizes me. So the more sort of nasty comments and sincere death threats you want to make that's that's fine um and then from there you can bounce forward to find my books on argo bargle and you know that's that's okay um uh follows follows are um are great absolutely yeah check them out and go buy the books go to argo bargle it's an awesome word to say if you haven't yet say it out loud it, it's kind of fun to say it's fun to say argo bargle uh, yeah, dude. Well, I mean, we'll post when this comes out. Should just be a week or two. And thank you again for doing this. I'm so sorry the you know first one got scrapped. Uh, appreciate you coming on, bullshitting with us again. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. This is good. And and thanks for uh, thanks for being just open and honest with us. That was a great first like uh, first fifteen that we had going on there. I, I liked it. I thought I was gonna have to fight the computer with Jim. I don't know what is happening. I was like, <laughs> what's going on no absolutely break it up guys i i like when when (laughs) conversations are able to be had about politics nowadays rather than a debate you know there's no there's no reason to try and convince each other of anything it's just a a conversation yeah you know i i grew up in appalachia and my father took me hunting i should not have a gun like i'm just one of those (laughs) like not, not like i'm gonna shoot anybody on purpose but accidentally fuck yes i'm gonna shoot somebody accidentally i'm gonna dick cheney somebody like like just let's just not ever let that happen and the truth is as a gun owner thank you for being aware (laughs) self-aware enough to recognize that and not owning firearms that that is good that's good for all of us it keeps you safe (laughs) and and dot 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 you know awesome dude Thanks again for doing this. Thank, Thank you so thank much, you, man. man. It's, it's been any, a blast. Anything else we can do for you, let us know. We got you. Okay. All right. Take care. Cool. All right. Take care, Thanks, man. man. Yeah. Bye. This has been the Rat Nest Podcast, episode 23 with Kinko Joe. You can check out more of the Rat Nest Podcast on YouTube every week and any major streaming platform. You can go ratneststickerco.com to buy prints, books, comics, stickers, and more. I'm Jim. Bye.